like your childhood growing up, um, like club footy, moving on to like Lindisfarne and stuff, and then like Barbars, Hawks Bay, Twenties, Chiefs, yeah. and all of that stuff. And then like even just life in general on the side and shit. Um, moved to Japan, like why you moved to Japan, Ken on touching on how you got COVID and shit, bro. You're the first person I know to ever get COVID, eh? Yeah, people buzz out when I tell them, eh? Like, I ask you just, yeah, and be like, oh, how's your pan? I was like, yeah, it's all good. I got COVID over there. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we've got, we've got a Q&A at the end, bro. There's quite a few of the boys throwing some questions. Kev, Kev um, wanted to ask if any of the lads had put in some decent chat as well. He was meant to chuck some in, but I don't think he did, but we've still got maybe like 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, bro. If um, if you go on a tangent, that's sweet. Don't fuck worry about it. And any stories? If you got any stories? Yeah, I was trying to think of some stories like just throughout the years, though. But I don't know. We'll see how they see if any come up. Yeah, no, nah, easy, bro. All good. We'll get started. Uh, hey, everyone. Welcome to the CRM podcast. Uh, another cool guest today, Tian Falcon from what's it? Toyota Blitz now, eh? Japan. Yeah, Toyota Blitz or um, Bay Blitz or Hawks Bay Magpies at the moment. So yeah, either one. Nice, bro. Hey, um, welcome. It's it's been a while since you and I had a chat, but it's good to see your face, albeit over Zoom, and hear your voice, bro. So, welcome home. Welcome back to the country. How's it How's it been home? Yeah, bro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to see your your face there. Um, no, it's been great. Obviously, um, got back about two months ago from Japan, and um, I was there from October till end of May. So, just been really living it up, um, enjoying spending time with friends and family, and um getting around the lads and just getting back to life as normal really we're pretty lucky here in new zealand yeah for sure bro was it weird coming home bro real weird eh? so like got out of the isolation and so i've been wearing a mask for the last eight months so like i literally felt naked walking around the mall and around the streets um just like seeing all these kind of uh all these like the New Zealand, there's no no Asians around, just like different yeah. group of people and um just everything's just so normal here compared to over, over there and what you're gonna kinda of live through. Yeah, I bet pretty keen on touching on your Japan experience because I suppose it's kind of foreign to us who all have all kind of stayed here throughout COVID, but to see other people like overseas still kind of living it just doesn't really like I don't know, it just looks weird. So it's like yeah. fuck it, it's it's weird to see other people travelling, but it's cool at the same time. So how was quarantine? How was your two weeks? What did you get up to? Yeah, I'd like to say I um, really did some self-development and, you know, uh, <laughs> cooking books and all that jazz. But um, no, nah, I was literally just parked up trying to survive. Um, yeah. A lot of uh, Netflix and PlayStation. Uh, we're pretty handy now with like technology these days. Like you can kind of link up and um, chuck the headset on, have a few yarns on the PlayStation or you know, get FaceTime going to kind of connect. Uh, yeah. Because that was actually my uh, fourth isolation in the last eight months. I've done two months in ISO. Um, so I'm a bit of a pro at the, at the moment. Fuck, so you'll be, you'll be loving yourself at the moment, spending two months all by yourself. Fuck. Honestly, like the first like two weeks, I don't know, maybe the first three, four days of it, you're like, oh, this is nice. Um, but a chill out time, you know, park up and then, um you just gotta try to survive the next week and a half of it pretty much and um yeah no it was, was a bit rough damn that's tough what 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 did it look like like did you have to get regular covid test and in that jazz or in the isolation back here in new zealand yeah we just kind of uh just had to get our covid test every couple of days i think you get one on like the third or fourth day and then uh, one on the 12th but i think the way it worked um I shook hands with someone who had COVID um, in the at the at the airport, so I became a close contact. Right. Uh, so it means I had to get um, different times allowed outside um, for my like two hours a day. So we're gonna go in our own time, and then like also around um, had to get a COVID test every like three or four days instead of getting one on like the fourth one on the twelfth. So yeah, had a few, um those nose the nose one the nose covid test that isn't that nice to have so yeah a couple of in that oh bro i've had a few of those it feels like they're scratching your brain eh? oh yuck like you actually try not to tear up and like because obviously your eyes water a bit and yeah this goes right up there like yuck 
So, bro, could you? Is it true that like you've got to spend the first three days in your room, and then after you uh, test negative after that, then you can leave your room for exercises like daily? Or yeah, now you're locked up for three days um, straight at the start, uh, no going outside whatsoever. So um, yeah, you're just locked up there, and then um, once you're allowed out, you're allowed up for your two hours a day. Um, but like an hour might be at like six thirty in the morning to seven thirty, then one might be at like four to five so oh. it's all about like timings getting those right and getting lucky and your food's delivered at your door as well so just like be like eight o'clock you hear a doorbell go um your food's on the in front of your door with like a coffee got my coffee ordered every morning we flat white which is pretty tasty i had that delivered um and then yeah pretty much i was to be fair though i was wake up at eight grab my food from my door, put it back on my table, and I was back to sleep for another hour and a half. <laughs> How did you find the time difference? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It's only three hours at the moment, oh, um, which is quite nice. Like, it's pretty handy with um, keeping in contact with people, and um, the timings aren't that bad. I know one of my mates is in France at the moment. He's about a good 12 hours or whatever it is. So, oh, yeah, so being in Japan's ideal with the setting of the time and um, you pretty much back to normal here, really. Yeah, yeah. Who's that? Who's that man in France? Who's jamming over there? Uh, Mason Emerson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's gone to a team over there. He left about two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Would yeah. have just come out of ISO, eh, probably. I don't think they... I don't even know if they had to do ISO. Oh, beauty. Yeah, I think they're straight into it, eh? He's just been cruising around uh, France, bit of travel um yeah living up at the moment nice bro i'm keen on touching on your japan journey a little bit more down the track bro but kind of um introduce yourself tell us um about yourself where and um how you grew up yeah so um i grew up in wapawa in central hawks bay uh in pukyo so i went to a school primary school that had about 100 kids uh there was two in my year eight year there was two year eight kids one me and another fella wow. so um those so it was a pretty small school around that um but i just loved it like it was a country school and um loved footy when i was young real real co-head as i probably am now still mm. uh just like before school a bit of footy uh, lunch breaks um after school we lived on a farm as well so plenty of space um was out on the, like, the motorbikes um cruising around and doing little jobs for my old man who was working on the farm at the time. So yeah, um, got a younger brother as well, who's uh, two years younger than me. Um, so me and him were always out on the field, mucking around, um, enjoying each other's company and yeah, getting out to mischief as you do. Nice bro. It's perfect way to grow up, eh? Kind of like secluded, secluded from the city and real humbling um, childhood, I bet. Yeah, it was honestly ideal. I reckon like looking back now, um, pretty lucky to have the kind of childhood I had and um, we had a spot out at the beach too which is about 20 minutes away from the farm um, so we used to get out there all the time and out on the sand and the water and just enjoying life now we had it real good as kids eh? yeah nice bro kind of um, growing up when you kind of started going to high school like tell us about your high school days because they were kind of they were pretty important for you as well because eh? I remember playing you guys Oh, I would have been year nine. Oh, year 10, maybe. You would have been maybe like year 11, year 12. It was like you, you and Hugh Renton were like the big boys then, eh? Was that when you were at, you at Tutoro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you and Eddie. Yeah, yeah, me and Eddie, you guys put a number on us. <laughs> we, um, yeah, I went to, obviously went from um, being living out the country. It was about 30, 40 minutes away from my school, so I boarded at high school. Yeah, um, nice which was like awesome boarding, like um, looking back now, like that's some of the best times you have, like just like we were all boys school. So the boys are just always um, getting out to mischief, out on the field doing footy. Like you're just living with your best mates for five years of your life, which is um, pretty nice. So we did that and discipline as well. Like you can just train and um, be together and build like those connections. And no, I really loved my time at Holland's Farm and it was just great to kind of be able to be at a small school and also just kind of play footy at the side on the side as well. Mm. Um, so I ended up making the first of Dean at Lindisfarne when I was year 10. So I think I was 14. Uh, yeah, which was 
you know, it was pretty daunting at the time. I just remember kind of rocking up the training. We had like these 18 year old kind of men yeah. that I was running around with and especially guys I looked up to being year nine um, the year before. And um, so I was running around with them. I was probably like 70 kgs or whatever I was. Tiny, just trying to run a cutter at 10. Yeah. Were you starting? Uh, yeah. You ended up starting the whole season too. So yeah, that was um my kind of footy into Lindisfarne. We, yeah, I think nice. we had we had a pretty handy team too. And we had I think George Bridge was at 13. We uh, had Hugh Renton, uh Mason Emerson, and I think Sam Goblin, who uh he's a flanker, he's playing a bit of footy down down south in Christchurch. Tim Kewala was a hooker at Manawa too. So we had an alright team. We ended up winning the CNI the first year too. Really? Yeah, Shit, that was I don't realise it. Probably the last time Linders finds one, I think it was a decent team. Yeah, I don't know. Bridgie went there. Um, oh, fuck. So, what you would have clocked up close to 50 games in May? I think I was, I think I've got the record actually. It's about 72. Yeah, <laughs> you got 72 first yeah. 15 games. Yeah, so I probably played more first 15 games than I have since I was in school, really. Holy shit, that is ridiculous ridiculous i've never heard that before that's probably an all-time record brad you'll be up you'd honestly be up there with the most first 15 caps in in the country easy yeah easily peaked at school so need that. <laughs> um when you were kind of at school um like how, how did that footy kind of shape like you your mindset as as to thinking like i could actually like make a living out of this yeah i guess i didn't really like think about it, it was possible. Like I always just thought that I was at a small school. Um, we punched well above our, well above our weight, but um, I never thought that it was going to be a career really until maybe later on, potentially. Um, I just like the way we were going, I like, were playing some good footy there, but we still didn't beat like the Hastings or Napiers. And I just thought that um, we weren't on like TV as well, like seeing those boys yeah. um, on the Fisadine footy show. Um, so I guess it just it never really came to my mind early on, but being in that kind of system and going through um, playing against older guys, like physically as well, and just the way the step up it was, having that advantage playing first team from a young age, it probably did help me a bit going forward and getting through that. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever like was it ever an option for you to go to like Napier Boys or Hastings Boys, one of the bigger schools, or you didn't really think about it? No, I didn't really like, especially I guess when I first went from like going up boarding school and high school, I wanted to go to Napier Boys. Like that was, I was like, no, I'm going to Napier Boys. I really wanted to be there. Like mm. I want to be a good rugby player. Um, always saw them going well. Um, but my parents just always said like, you don't go to school to play rugby. Um, you go to school to go to school. And my dad went to Lindisfarne as well. So oh. um, I was never really going anywhere else. So yeah, they just really stuck that into me early on about that, just making sure that I knew um, I'm going to school to go to, to do schoolwork and then the rugby's on that side, just on the side there. Well, it definitely um, worked out well for you, bro. Let's um, let's touch a little bit on your old man because um, he was pretty gun back in the day. Eh? What, what, NRL? Yeah, so he um, yeah he played for Hawks Bay with the Magpies. Yeah. Uh, um, he then played for the Māori All Blacks. Oh, fuck, legit. At, at the time then, rugby wasn't uh, professional. So it was just amateur then. And the Penrith Panthers got him over to league. So he went there for a couple of years. Uh, that went well. But then rugby went professional. So he went to the Brumbies and then made his way to the Hurricanes for a year. So legit. He, um, he, had, he had a pretty good career. And uh, he's well known around these parts in Hawke's Bay. So I get told from a lot of old fellas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I always get reminded of um, how well he went and um, the things he did. But yeah, it's awesome having him too, though. Like, especially uh, younger on, like he was just my main guy, like around coaching and um, just giving me the knowledge that I need. And uh, he was my biggest supporter as well. So it was handy having an old man who's kind of been there, done that, um, that can kind of guide you and lead you through that. Yeah, nice, bro. I was about to ask you what what it was kind of like growing up, but you've definitely um, you just hit the nail on the head. That that would have been awesome grow, growing up, to be honest. I kind of remember all I remember of of you in school was your kick, bro. 
to be honest. I remember your kick, like you could have two kicks in first 15, 40 and go from one side of the field to the other. It was fucking illegal for first 15, 40. But moving on, bro, talk to us about like schools and stuff. Did you ever, like obviously your, your last year you made barbars. Who else was kind of those tens like gunning for schools? Like obviously you and I made barbars, but was it like Josh Mackay in there? Yeah, I remember hearing about Joshy. Josh Mackay was down south at Christchurch. Uh, I think Wise Guy, Finey. That's right. Oh, yeah. Grandma going pretty well. And then, like, even Stephen Pitafeta. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. Wanganui Collegiate. <laughs> uh, we used to have some great games against each other. So he was over there. I think he was even playing for Wanganui at the time, eh? Yeah, I, I think, think he might have been. Yeah, I think so he, he might have been right. There. Um, but it might have been just us that I was thinking about really. Uh, but I didn't like it's still again like I was at Lindisfarne, like didn't really know that I was being noticed that much. Uh, I think I was on the bench for the Hurricanes 18s. Hmm. Uh, Stevie started, so yeah, I wasn't too sure I wasn't going to be in the mix or not around that stage. Yeah, and I suppose like looking back on it, like. I suppose there's a lot of young listeners out there, especially footy players who are trying to crack it, but they kind of understand that you got to go to a big school to crack it and to be successful. And I touched on it um, like last week with Tom Christie. He's kind of like you, bro. He went to like a small school, first 15, bar bars, barely made schools. And like, it's the same with you. And if, if, you, if I compare like my, my kind of schoolboy footy to yours, like we're both in bar bars. And somehow I started over you, but like, look at where you are now and look at where I am, you know? So like, it's just a classic example of, of like these kids, I suppose, thinking that schoolboy foot is the be on an end and I get it because it was back then, especially for me, I'm not too sure about you, but I think you're a classic example of that as well, bro. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I love hearing stories about this as well. So carry on. It's hard as well. Like, I guess like, um, if with any team, like it's only one person's opinion and, um, it doesn't really matter like how many times you get told no, you just got to keep going, keep going, ask for feedback, um, just keep working at your craft. And I think the biggest thing for me at school was I just really loved like rugby and I loved being with my mates out there. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily about like um, being on TV or being at a big school doing well. Like I just love being out there um, working on my skills. I love staying after training, practicing my goal kicking and my kicking and that and mm. just being around with my mates. So um yeah i guess it's just about enjoying and if you enjoy something enough then you just keep kind of working at it and you know eventually things will take off 100 <clears throat> percent. talk to us about that um that transition from from school to kind of like the big boys because i remember i remember you being a year older than me and i i i was going back to school but i remember you starting for Hawke's Bay your first year out of school eh? and I remember thinking fucking hell man like him and I were just in the same team five months ago and here you are leading the magpies magpies around the pitch I was this is fucking ridiculous talk to us about that transition bro yeah well, it happened pretty quick eh? like I was to be fair I signed uh, my magpies contract in about I think it might have been August in year 13 so it was before even made the New Zealand Barbarians team mm. Um, I already had my Magpies contract sort of for the year after. So I kind of knew that I was going into that arena and um, took a bit of time to kind of develop the year after, like put on a bit of size and um, just really worked at it. And then next thing you know, like the season started and then I think I played two games off the bench. Uh, didn't really do too much. I think I was at fullback or um, just came on the last 10 minutes and then we weren't going that great. We'd just been promoted to the premiership. Yeah. And, you know, the scores weren't that great. And next thing, the coach comes up to me. He's like, right, um, I'm going to start you at second five. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I've never played second five in my life. <laughs> but he's like, nah, you'll be right. You'll be right. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'll get in there and have a run. Yeah. Like at the time we had... Ehi West at 10 and Robbie Fruin at 13. Fuck. Those I just looked up to my whole high school kind of years and yeah. um, really admired them. So I was kind of at 12 on the hit-ups trying to do some crash balls. About, you know, I think I was about late 80s. Yeah. Out of school, probably mainly skin folds and my hips that carried all my weight. 
Um, but yeah, that was me playing 12. I think I ended up starting about eight games at 12 for Hawks Bay that season. Um, really? Go- yeah. Uh, and, um, we didn't go that great, but it was great for myself and just like getting some reps in, being in that, um, I think it was the Midas 10 Cup at that stage. So mm. being in there and playing and just like training every day of professionals that um, really helped me being young and about, you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, just really set me up. Yeah, nice, for sure. Um, what was it like being under Ehi, bro? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, obviously, like, he's done some amazing things for Hawks Bay the last couple of years and um, kind of being next to him and just picking his brain. And um, we're quite good family friends as well throughout the years, like um, kind of even before I got into the team, which was quite handy, having, yeah. really having that relationship and... Um, yeah, no, he's a gun, man. Honestly, the things he did for Hawks Bay was crazy and just um, picking his brain, learning kind of how he operates and like the chat he uses to drive a team um, was kind of crucial for me. And that uh, was, yeah, awesome, man. Nice, bro. Nice. That, after that after that first season, when did when did 20s come in the frame for you? So first camp, but it was Hurricanes 20s, eh? Yeah, I think it would have been Hurricanes 20s. I remember, so after that Hawks Bay season... Uh, I got a call from Jason Holland, who was the Hurricanes coach. So I went from Hawks Bay. Um, I went to actually go to a job, a summer job. So I was working at Mardi Gras. It was like a party hire place. So they yeah. set up like parkies and it's um really tough work, eh? Like setting up all the poles, just carrying heaps of poles everywhere, carrying all the tables and chairs to like set up parties and yeah. yeah. Uh, go to a few places a day, like early morning start, late night finish. And I went there for like one day and I was honestly thinking at the end of the day, I was like, nah, like I can't keep doing this. Like this is tough now. Like, because we go in the gym beforehand too. So again, the gym about five, five thirty, get to work by seven and then get home by five. So I was like, surely not. This, this is me this summer. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then that night I got a call from Jason Holland. Um, he was just kind of like, all right, we want to get you in as an injury replacement for the Hurricanes preseason. So, oh, beauty. thank you very thank much. Thank you, Alf. Thank you. So, yeah, that was me um, preseason at the Hurricanes for about two, three months, ended up being, which was ideal. Yeah. That would have set you up nicely, eh? Real nice. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize how hard a preseason is because that was kind of my first kind of taste of Super Rugby. And it was just six weeks of like, grinding like i remember having my first weekend after that week i was in like 14 hours sleeps <laughs> just like buggered yeah but yeah that was kind of me and um it was just awesome kind of rub shoulders with guys who had been around playing super and um getting in like that that work ethic around uh, um the running load the gym um the skills like being full-time at that next level so it was an awesome couple of months there yeah, nice. Because you would have been, Bodie still would have been there at that time, eh? Yeah, I think he was on All Blacks duty. So he got oh, back yeah. maybe a week, week and a half, two weeks while I was there at the end. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of got to see him operate and, um, yeah, had to run that surf to peak, which they do there, which wasn't nice. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I remember that Hurricanes 20 season for you. you. Didn't you, you guys played Argentina, eh? And you hit the winning, because we played them as well, but didn't you hit the winning kick? Yeah, yeah, got real lucky on the side there, eh? <laughs> talk, um, talk us through that. No, I just remember we were down. It was last play. They just scored. They were winning. Uh, we had to, like, kick off to get the ball back. So went short. We got it back. Uh, kind of ran it one side. Uh, got a penalty. But the win was kind of, you know, the Windy Wellington kind of weathered. Yeah. Just blowing, swirling. So I was like, no, nah, we'll take the line out. So I took the line out, went corner, went the other side of the field. And I think it was like a right-hand side on the five-meter uh, last play to kind of win the game, got a penalty. And I was like, I hit one before kind of previously, like maybe about 20 minutes before that. Yeah. So I just thought I'd give it a crack. Um, and then, yeah, luckily put it through the post and um, we went straight to single afterwards. So... Yeah, it was a- <laughs> that's big time. Potsy would have had his check his checkboard, bro. Big tick next to the name. Big and small, Potsy. That's mean, bro. Um, 
talk us through like your twenties campaign. So how did you find it? Yeah, probably going from that hurricane stuff um, really helped me. Like probably set me up real nice around um, what to expect and what kind of level I needed to hit. Yeah. And also playing might attend you before as well, having that experience going in there. Um, but in saying that, like I haven't really played that much first five. So I played 12 for Hawks Bay and then I got some reps for the Hurricanes and then um, kind of just didn't know what to expect really. Because yeah. I know obviously the Canada first fives in New Zealand is huge. So um, we had some pretty talented guys in there. Uh, so I just kind of put my best foot forward, um, tried to like, just make sure that I was really on for the camp and did my role. And I remember having a really good trial, which probably helped me as well. Yeah. I think we played against, I think I played against you that, that trial, eh? Yeah, I think you did. You're on the blue team, eh? Blue Potentially. team? Yeah, I remember playing the Chiefs development. You were, I think you were in there. Yeah. So, yeah, that was probably one of my best games I reckon I've had. Um, actually, now I'm thinking about it. Um, what the times I have it. Wow, yeah. The best thing that I think I found there was, um, well, the Rickards came up to me. So I didn't do the yo-yo. And I remember watching the yo-yo. Uh, the boys are just kind of sweating it out. And I was sitting there chatting to Willie. And Willie goes, um, well, uh, you're, you're, you're our man. This is about halfway through the camp. And he's like, you're, you're our man. I reckon you can do it, eh? And that's just gave me confidence to kind of just play and to boss and just know that, um, you know, that's my team. Yeah. Um, I've got the keys kind of set up and I can just boss it around, um, play with the guys with confidence. And I think that really helped me with that trial as well. Yeah, for sure. I just want to touch on that, bro, because I think, especially, especially as a playmaker, as a 10, like you're touching the ball the most and out of the whole team. And like you need to be confident, but that's all a coach needs to say is like something real small like that, and like your confidence goes through the roof, you know. Like, I think yeah, people underestimate how much like um, being confident in yourself or just having confidence from the players around you, um, how much that can affect your game. Yeah, because um, as a player, all you want to know is that the guy next to you believes in you, or the guy you're coaching believes in you, and then you believe in yourself and. Um, having that confidence from Willie, you know, just meant that I could go out there and play with no stress. Um, I knew that um, if I tried to go for a play and it didn't work, then he'd still back me. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of what, as a 10, um, you don't want to be hesitant because especially things happen so fast out there. Um, if you're a bit hesitant, you try, you don't back yourself throwing a ball and you're half half harder in it, then that's when stuff goes wrong and shit hits the fan. That's good, bro. I'm glad I'm glad that you got that feedback because I feel like like that's real rare to hear, especially but it's it's good to hear that a ten, especially a young ten at that level, kind of had that backing from a coach. Like that's that's important and like I'm I'm stoked about that. I'm 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 stoked to hear that. So obviously Oceania, um you come through unscathed off to the World Cup. Bro, what was it like what was it like leading those boys? Because that was like that's an All Blacks caliber team already, and it's only been a few years. Like you got the likes of Safo, Izzy, um, like the Ed Pody, Luke, Lukey J, Tom Christie, Eddie, yourself, Caleb Clark, Tamari Tua, Will Jordan. Like that's only to name a few. So uh, we were pretty stacked, yeah, real stacked. Uh, it was awesome too. Like I remember going to Georgia, uh, and it was just—I think it was coming to their summer, so it was hot weather rugby. Uh, we could just throw the ball around, kind of express ourselves. Everyone just kind of knew, like, um, we just had that feeling that we could probably do anything and um, you, something would just come off. Like, you'd throw a ball and you know someone would be there. You put a chip over, you know, kind of bounce up um, for the right person. Yeah. Um, everything just kind of worked. And we we're real close as a team too, which helped. Um, real good fellas in that group. And the way we bonded, um, no, it was an awesome campaign to be a be a part of. I was pretty lucky there, um, being a ten with those guys around me. Um, you literally got to give give them the ball, and they just um, do the rest, really. Yeah. What was um, bro? Obviously, like you unfortunately missed out on schools, but what was it like to kind of 
like be given the key for like a black jersey, like a black tan jersey in that 20s campaign? How did that feel? Like, was that satisfying for you? Yeah, that, that was huge. It kind of just felt like um, all the work I've been doing um, had paid off and um, kind of meant all the sacrifices and um, kind of the way I've been building uh, meant, meant for something. And especially being a 10, like I've always looked up to Daniel Carter, who's one of the greats and um, wearing that black jersey is something that not many people get to do. And um, yeah, it was a really special moment for me and my family, really. Yeah, nice, uh, bro. Especially like, yeah, kind of the way uh, missing out on schools. Because um, at the time, you kind of think that schools is the is the main thing. Like, if you don't make schools, then you think maybe that's not you. Um, but I was just really kind of stuck at it. Like I said, I just love footy and keep playing, and things kind of paid off. And being part of that 20s team just showed that. And um, that was really special. Nice, bro. Absolutely. So talk us through that... that um... That twenties final, bro. Obviously, you guys played England. Actually, I'll I'll, I'll peel it back a bit. I remember because obviously Georgia, the time difference was was like eighteen hours or something, something stupid like that. Yeah, not real stupid. So I remember like being back here, missing out on World Cup, and then like getting up at two, three a.m. to watch the games and stuff. Because obviously, like I knew the calls, like I knew everything. I was like, fuck, like I just wanted to see you guys win, and then. It never really dawned on me that fuck if someone gets injured I could be like I could be going over, you know. I was like and then I was like, nah, fuck, I don't I don't want anyone to get injured, you know, like and then I remember you getting injured and I'm like, fuck, no way, like started to stress and then they called in Skevy and stuff, but because um you got injured in the semi, eh? Yeah, I I got concussed in the last like two minutes of the semi. Oh yeah, I was gutted, especially around like because it's a seven-day return. I think it's a six-day return, actually, around concussion, that the quickest you can come back from. Right. And the final was in five days. <laughs> and, like, I was, like, feeling fine, uh, passed all the tests. But the way it worked, I couldn't come back soon enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of got the news after that. And um, I was pretty gutted, real gutted, just not to be able to finish it with the boys and yeah. go out there and uh, win the final. Um, but, yeah, they... Took care of that pretty easily around, I think it was about 60 points in the end. Do they what? Bro, was Marcus Smith playing in that England team that year? I'm not sure if he was, eh? He, um, he's a gun at the moment. Jesus has gone well. Yeah, uh, for sure. No, nah, I'm not too sure who was in there. I think that, um, that, uh, is it Intermac? Roman? Yeah, uh, Intermac. Yeah. I think he was in the French team. And that Louis Carbonell? Yeah, he's the other 10 as well, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and I think those two are in there. That's so they right, played that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, nothing. Um, kind of after 20s, when when did you, when did Chiefs have a sniff at you? And and kind of yeah. talk us through that because obviously like you're from Hawks Bay, you, your dad played for the Canes, you played a little bit for the Canes. Like obviously, I'm going to assume that you wanted to get a Canes contract, but... How did it kind of work with the Chiefs and like when did it happen? Like, had you already gone to World Cup or kind of talk us through that process? Um, happened really quickly around. So, I played for the 20s in Aussie um, and I was pretty happy with how I went over there. Kind of got back from Aussie and the ex of my agent comes up to me. He's like, Oh, the Chiefs offered you a super rugby contract. Um, so, I was like, Oh, sweet. I mean, like, that's unreal. It's stoking. And the next thing, uh, the Canes offered for me to go there. Yeah. So I was kind of just tossing a turn in between those two. And then I kind of had wanted to make a decision before the World Cup just to have that off my mind and just yeah. be able to like play and not have to think about it. And then I think like three days before the plane left to the World Cup, uh, that's when the Crusaders jumped in. Oh, so, yeah, I had about Yeah, I had about three teens. I had to kind of make a decision around. So I ended up going to World Cup without making, without signing a piece of paper and then uh, went to World Cup, played that, uh, and then kind of made a decision on going to the Chiefs after there. Yeah. What was, um, what kind of, what made you pick the Chiefs? Yeah, obviously weighed up like quite a few things, especially around um, between 
main thing around like playing opportunity and development and the coaches they had. So I was kind of looking around um, at the time, Bowden Barrett was at the Hurricanes, uh, Richie Wong was at the Crusaders. And then I think this was the the year going into it where Aaron Cruden just left and they were potentially looking at Damien playing 10. Yeah. So kind of looking at that, I kind of backed myself and I said to myself, you know, I'll go to the Chiefs, um, try to get some playing time because the only way you actually develop, develop is from playing. Like you can do all the training you want um, being out there, but you don't actually learn from sitting on the bench. Like you learn from trying to be playing. So 100%. Yeah, I kind of backed myself, went there. Also it was like close to home. It's only a three hour drive. Yeah. Um, had Brad Weber and Sam McNichol telling me how good the lads were at the Chiefs. <laughs> Um, so they were pretty adamant to get over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just kind of backed myself, uh, went to the Chiefs looking to try play. And that's how I wanted to learn. So, yeah, that was my main decision around that. Nice, bro. Because um, what was it, three years? Two years? I ended up signing a two year at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. What um, What did the Canes give you? What, two or three? And what about the Saints? No, nah, I think they were, they were both two. Yeah. Yeah, two each. Um, obviously, like, a lot of pros and cons. It's hard around that kind of decision making, like whether to potentially go to a team with like Bowden being under Bowden or being under Richie and trying to learn and um, from someone who's been there around the world, like around the world playing footy and playing at a high level. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at the time I wanted to play, um, looking back at it now, um, you know, I can see how um, screen a first vibe. I think you it does take a lot of time to kind of develop to yeah. be a driver of the game and like like we talk about like confidence as well like you got to be real confident in yourself and have confidence around you to be able to run the team so um, looking back now I could see um, potentially um, it would have had pros um, being under someone like Bowden or under Richie to learn around that um, yeah. but you know I still honestly back my decision around. I thought I was playing, trying to learn that, but um, looking back now, it didn't really work out like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with all sorts of um, factors. So, yeah, yeah. no, um, just one of those decisions that I kind of made. Nice, bro. How many caps did you end up with for the mana? <laughs> bro, I only ended up with four, eh? Four oh, really? Yeah. Bro, talk us through your debut. I remember that. I remember you you went up late, eh? And you, and you started against the Blues at Eden Park. Can you remember that? Oh, obviously you remember yeah. it, but I remember that. Because yeah. you weren't even in the 23A. Eh? What's the story? Yeah, I, was on, I was on the bench. So, like, the way it worked, um, I was on the bench, kind of just thought I might get, you know, five, ten minutes at the end. I think it was our second game. I think it might have been Kenzie. You might have got concussed the week before. Yeah. So, we um, I was on the bench chilling. I think me and um, Luke Jacobson we were playing a bit of rugby league on the PlayStation about – in the afternoon, Luke was the 24th man. So we we're just kind of chilling. He's like, man, it would have been unreal to, to debut together, play our first game together. <laughs> so I'm on the bench just sitting there. Uh, we're warming up. And I look look over and Sean Stevenson's limping off the field and he was supposed to be starting fullback. Yeah. And then this is about 10, 15 minutes before kickoff. And then Colin Cooper comes up to me. He's like, oh, yeah. Um, we're going to start you at 10 and move Damien to fullback. And I was just like, <laughs> shit. Wow. So, yeah, I kind of just had to take a couple of moments just to clear the head. And, um, yeah, then, then there I was starting 10, running the cutter, um, playing Super Rugby for my first time, which was you beauty. At, at Eden Park, which was awesome. Yeah, and what, Lukey J got on the field as well? Yeah, so Lukey J ended up coming into 23 and he ended up playing as well. Bro, so that was that. Manifest it. Fucking hell. Um, how was your experience at the Chiefs, bro? How'd you find it? Yeah, I, like, it was probably, now I look back on it, um, it was pretty tough around my injuries there. Yeah. So in my first year, uh, I think I ended up having about, six months worth of injuries um, from five different injuries. 
And so that first year was pretty rough around um, being injured, coming back, um, breaking my hand, getting surgery on my hand, coming back, tearing my hammy, like playing club first week back. That was like another like seven weeks. Uh, came back. I played on the bench against the Canes, um, got on for one scrum, went to go carry and got um, concussed and left the field at that same play. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, bro. I shouldn't laugh. That's just the irony of it, eh? It was a big Ben May's head. It just went straight into my nose. That'll do it. And I've seen double vision. So yeah. Yeah, I, might been, I might have been the quickest um, little thing, I reckon. Just on one scrum, carry off. <laughs> it's a cap nonetheless, bro. Yeah, cracked it. Uh, and then, um, yeah, then I had like a shoulder injury as well. So it was a tough year around um, being injured, coming back, being injured, coming back. So, and then my second year, I ruptured my Achilles in January, had a real good preseason. Um, and then next thing, went to go playing with a line touch, uh, go to chuck out the goosey, goosey and then next thing I'm falling over and my Achilles is blown. Oh. So that was a that was a long recovery for you, eh, that Achilles. Yeah, that was that was nine months. So that was in January and then ended up coming back in October. But what made that even worse though is my shoulder injury that I hurt the season before. Um I had to get surgery on that as well. So I was on crutches in January, um, was on crutches about two months. And then April, I got shoulder surgery and was in a sling for another two months. Fuck. How did that take a, obviously that would have took a massive hit on your mental health, bro. How did, how did you cope with that? Like there's a lot of setbacks there. Would have tested your resilience a lot, but what, what's the silver lining out of it, if, if any, for you? Yeah, I think, well, the biggest thing that I kind of found was um, we had really good um, support network and at the Chiefs and um, all the boys there, um, we grew pretty close. So having that group of mates to kind of um, rely on and do things with outside of footy, um, that really helped as well being at the Chiefs. Like the culture there is um, top notch. Um, the boys really get around each other. So that helped as well. But then also probably I found that second year where I was out for the whole year, I just took a step back from rugby. Um, like I barely went in. I um, went to university. I did mm. three papers, I think, for my first semester. So I just kind of put rugby to the side. Um, and I was a university student for a semester. Um, and went to university, went to lectures, got my gym done at lunchtime or in the morning. Um, yeah, it was just nice to do something different and completely away from rugby yeah. and kind of get away from that. Uh, persona of just being a rugby player that yeah. I find that you know people can get trapped in quite a lot yeah for sure for sure uh, yeah I suppose it would have been nice to hit the reset button but still have security that you've still got people to fall back on as well yeah yeah exactly so um, you know having that um, to kind of fall back on and have something on the side like study and um, I was on the bulk too which helped out helped the guns out on the side beauty beauty uh, it was um yeah, it was definitely tough. Like, it's hard, I reckon, the most was, like, I find that, especially at the time, I kind of felt that, you know, all I was was a rugby player. And some people get really in those stereotypes of, you know, that's who you are, that's what you do. Um, and I felt like for all that time that I let down, like, my teammates, I let down my family um, from being having this injury where I couldn't perform and couldn't do the things that I wanted to. Um, yeah. So it was nice just to um, get out of that and work on, um, you know, other things that make me happy around not playing rugby. Um, so, yeah, like different things like the study and being with mates, enjoying, you know, my schoolmates. Um, who I don't see that often. Just things on the side that um, really helped me through that time. Yeah, for sure. That's good, bro. Hey, um, kind of... As your as your contract kind of came to an end at the Chiefs, like did they offer to renew or like what kind of talk to us about that transition to like your next part of your your career? Yeah, so that was also um, one thing. So I wasn't contracted for the year after 
um, when I had that injury. So there was a bit of time around um, waiting to see what they wanted to do, um, whether they were going to sign me back up. Um, Toyota, their blitz, actually offered me um, to go over to Japan um, that year for the year after. So I said no to that. Um, I wasn't that keen to go over. I was pretty keen to stick it in New Zealand yeah. and um, kind of play for the Chiefs and give it another crack. Um, so, yeah, I ended up signing again with the Chiefs uh, for 2020. So, um, yeah, once that was sorted, that um, took a load off my shoulders and um, just mean I could kind of focus on my rehab and to getting back for Hawks Bay that season and then back for the Chiefs the year after. Nice. And you happy with that decision in hindsight? Uh, in hindsight, yeah, yeah, I'm happy um, about staying with the Chiefs for that extra mm. year. Um, I kind of felt that um, I hadn't played my best footy and um, I didn't really give it a good shot. So um, it's kind of needed to be done to stay back. Um, I tried to come back for Hawks Bay, so I ended up playing about four games for Hawks Bay at the end of that year and then um, went into the Chiefs season um, with no injuries and kind of gave it my best shot. Nice. Um, after that, after that season, how did that kind of how did that shape your your move to Japan? Like, obviously, that had you up there before, but would have been nice to kind of see them come back in the frame around twelve months later to think, oh, these guys actually are pretty keen on me. Eh? Yeah, it was real, um, real weird. Like, I was just kind of playing for the Chiefs. Um, the way it worked out, like I had a really good preseason for the Chiefs. I that was probably my best preseason I've ever done around my last couple of years and uh, thought I played really well in the trial games. I remember scoring a try and setting up a couple in the in the internal game. Yeah. But then the first week came around and my groin was a bit tight. And the way the Chiefs coach told me was that um, we needed you to play uh, 80 minutes. We didn't know if you could do it with your groin. So they went with Trasky for the first game. Yeah. Had Aaron Cruden on the bench, yeah. and the way it worked, I think Trasky ended up coming on, coming off at halftime, and um, Crudz ended up going on at halftime. So it just kind of showed me a message around how much I was kind of backed and the feeling that I had around the group and around the coaching setup. Yeah. Uh, so I was getting quite frustrated as well, you know, especially with the last couple of years that's been being injured, uh, not getting selected. Um, you know, my confidence wasn't that high around my ability and I guess like kind of I keep knocking on the door but no one was really answering so when Steve Hansen called um, for me to go over to Japan and give it a shot over there then I kind of thought it was a no-brainer really to yeah. go over there try play some footy and you know see what happens Fuck, so Shag gave you a call did he yeah unreal yeah, yeah so the Pretty much my agents like, oh yeah, Twitter Akeen. Um, I said no again. And then um yeah, Steve Hansen um gave me a call and had a little yarn about um you know what he sees to me around over there and um the potential option to play and get some minutes and um you know just give it and give it a good crack. Yeah, nice bro. Talk us through Japan, bro. How how was it over there? Obviously, you touched on like the COVID side of things, and you got COVID over there. Tell, tell us through that, because <laughs> yeah. obviously you're the first person that I know to to get COVID. That's yeah, pretty crazy over there. Like you, obviously, New Zealand's just a small bubble at the moment. You don't really know um, many people over there and what's going on. And uh, Japan was crazy, eh? Like around um, the restrictions we had, and uh, so I was there for eight months. That those two months in isolation, but we also had restrictions around we couldn't eat out together, we couldn't visit each other's houses, and I lived by myself, so it was pretty isolating around pretty much going to training, um, come back home, uh, park up, and then back to training. Bit of golf on Wednesday, which we were allowed to do, yeah. Um, but apart from that, now with COVID, it was real isolating, and um, it wasn't really the full experience I've been hearing about. Um, from a few boys who have been over there. Yeah, for sure. What's the lifestyle like over there? It's, um, you know, obviously at the moment, well, the way I kind of took from it 
um with covid like it's so it's pretty quiet like not much is going on uh bars were closing by 8 7 30 uh places were recommended to close and not be open to the public so it's um really slow um but looking at other things around that like japan's a great place like you can see how without covid you know it'd be a good time over there and the foods are amazing the people are friendly uh the language barrier takes a bit to kind of get used to yeah um google translate was my best friend over there just <laughs> showing um chucking a few words to show them and they kind of laugh and then they help you out yeah because uh, you're real where i was i was in nagoya so nagoya is about a three-hour bullet train from tokyo and even though Nagoya is known as, um, you know, a big city, it's there's 2 million people there. Um, it's known as the boring, boring city in Japan. Really? So it was real slow. Uh, that's why we probably kept to the golf course. Yeah. But you're also like a real mi uh, minority. So foreigners. Right. So I'm around town. I'm getting all these um, Japanese people giving me the double look or you're getting stared wow. at as you're walking past just because they don't see you so often. Yeah true um what's the footy like over there bro what's the level like the difference in levels obviously it's not as physical uh it's kind of it's like a all the speed of play and the time of the of the ball and play is massive oh, they love love their fastball um i think the ball and play time for super rugby would be about 26 to 32 minutes around there average and i know over there we had games we were playing 38 minutes um with the ball and play wow. so you know, ball is going it's fit it's fast um but yeah obviously not as physical as super rugby but um the skill level is getting a lot better in japanese footy uh you know you got some great players over there too like we had kieran reed and michael hooper willie larue uh then you got like michael allardyce rob thompson yeah. Uh, Jed Holloway, even like Charlie Lawrence, he was um at Hamilton Boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's on that team, he goes pretty well. So um, we had a good, good crew of foreigners over there who had played at some great levels. It was awesome. Rub shoulders of Rito and Hoops over there, and I'm um, just learning from their experiences. And um, yeah, no, it's definitely a place you kind of. I'm stoked I've been over there and had that experience there. Nice, bro. What was it like, like getting around? Rito and stuff, bro. What's he like? I've heard I've heard a few stories, but like I've just heard that he's real down to earth. Yeah, yeah, real down to earth. Um, it took me probably because he was one of the single lads over there in terms of like his single. family. Like his family wasn't there. Oh yeah, not yeah. single. <clears throat> like his family wasn't there. So um, myself and Charlie Lawrence um, and Rito, that was us. Our golf days on Wednesday. Um, after training on a Thursday, Sunday, yeah. we're just all out there playing golf because uh, we were kind of living by ourselves. Yeah. So I got to know him pretty well. Yeah, real down to earth. Can he hit uh, a golf ball? He can. He can actually, he? The man can hit. Um, yeah, so he um, he was out there. He was helping me out. I'm pretty dusty. So, you know, got a few tips from the from the old fella. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, nah, real good man, old reader. Nice, bro. Um, and you're you're heading back there at the end of Bunnings this year? Yeah, bro. Going to go back for another season. Uh, head back end of October, start of November. Nice. What do you, what do you think you'll do after that? You think you'll sign on? You think you'll you'll stay over in Japan? Sure. At the moment, I obviously want to have a good season for Hawks Bay, and then um, go well in Japan, and then hopefully have a few options to um, see what's to go. I'm still, you know, I'm 24 now, just turned 24. So, you know, still young enough to come back and play in New Zealand if someone will have me or um, potentially stay in Japan. But um, I still feel like I've got a lot to give in New Zealand. Eh? Like, yeah, uh, I kind of feel like I haven't given my best shot playing here in New Zealand. And um, I don't know, I don't want to have any regrets when I get older about what could have been. So um, at the time, I'll just, you know, make the right decision, see what I feel like and um, see if anyone wants me or um whatever whatever's happening really yeah for sure oh you'll definitely easily get scooped up bro i um like you said you're still young and to kind of have that experience of japan early in your career rather than later i suppose is definitely going to help as well because 
lot of the super teams now they want experienced teams as well, eh? So I think looking yeah, into the future, it's definitely going to be beneficial for you. Yeah, so definitely like the learnings I've kind of learned in Japan around rugby as well is huge. I feel like I've gotten heaps better around like organization and driving a team because like I'm in a team where there might be, you know, five or six foreigners and the rest are Japanese and you kind of have to be real demanding and put them in the right positions. Uh, your language that you use is like your keywords. So we might have a word for a pod or a word for a, a skip passes in English. But um, like, for example, um, our word for hands was um, square. Yeah. And you can't, you know, in New Zealand, you're saying like hands, 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 and everyone knows yeah, yeah, yeah. the lingo or the casual talk you kind of use. So just like the, the words you choose, um, I feel like I've gotten heaps better at it. Um, there's lots of learnings around the language barrier and um, just putting guys in the right position and your preparation during the week as well. Because like if you um, go get to a game and you're in a situation so we've got a scrum 15 out and I'm trying to tell him my halfback who's a Japanese halfback. I'm trying to explain to him that I'm going to run a eight, nine here and I'll come late um, from the boot. Yeah. And he's like, I can't have that casual conversation with him then. So yeah, yeah. That with the translator during the week on like a Monday or Tuesday. So then he understands what the go is there. Holy shit. So yeah, just around like that preparation, um, with that language barrier, I was just talking about how um, being prepared during the week and having those conversations early on um, with like the translator with the Japanese boys. So then on the field, you're clear. So um, all those things really come down to it. And um, even just playing for Hawks Bay now, um, you can just feel the difference from before I was here to when I'm here, when I'm here now around the preparation side of it. So yeah, it's all those little things you kind of learn over there, bro. Nice, bro. How's your Japanese? Uh, uh, pretty dusty. Um, yeah, I can. My best is probably introducing myself. Yeah. Which, um, you better like, Watashi wa Tian des, Hajirimashite, New Zealando, Karakimashita, Arigato Gazamas. So that's probably the best I can do for you. Fuck, that's not bad, actually. I thought it just would have been like a one sentence type thing. Nah, I chucked it out at the um, sponsors night the other night. I got a few um, uh, interesting looks. People just thought I was half Jap. You beauty. Um, and obviously, touched on it a few times, but back in Hawks Bay, you guys got the shield at the moment, eh? Yeah, boys got the shield, um, which is huge. Everyone loves the shield around here. Like yep. The amount of people you get to the crowds. And um, last year, the lads had a great season. So backing that up would be huge. Yeah, nice. That's wicked. It's not you can't beat provincial footy, especially when the shields on the line, eh? And you guys have got a pretty good um pretty good record with the shield at home as well. So um No, I'll be I'll definitely be watching. because um, what there's like you, Lincoln. Who are the other tens? Caleb Mark any there again or Yeah, Max is injured at the moment. He's back about round seven, I think. So yeah, me and Link's will be involved. Um So yeah, we'll see how we go. Team hasn't been named yet, so um, we'll have to see what they reckon tomorrow and then go from there. I've had a bit of a niggle the last five weeks. Had my first game back on Friday against counties for the preseason. So, How'd it go? Coming back. Yeah, it was all right, eh? Nice. Good to get a head out. Jeez, those counties boys are getting big. They're um, not like the Japanese fellas over there. But yeah. But bigger here. Yeah, for sure. Hey, bro, I've got um, quite a few questions, so we'll rip into them. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the boys wants to know how fast you did your yardy. Here we go. No, I was pretty. This is before I started drinking. Like I was just a casual drinker before then, and now we got about. Um, I want to hit like a two thirty with uh, Waikato's. Yeah. So that, that was my Waikato's choice of drink. Yeah, yeah it's a great drop. Great <laughs> drop. Um, who's the best nine you've ever played with? Be careful what you say. Who said that? It was who was it? Yes. Yes, nine. i It's hard though because I know a lot of cheeky nines, so it could have been any of them. It's your Hawks Bay nine at the moment, bro. Eddie. Mm. My guy. Yeah, it is. It is definitely up there. Yeah, he. Um, it must be good to have him in the mix, eh? Obviously, he's been down the line quite a bit, but to kind of have that experience 
with him at the yeah. Satyrs, but obviously you've got a good combination when you guys are in 20s as well. So hopefully he can get a lot of game time there now. Falau's injured, unfortunately, but... Yeah, no, nah, you just see how much... Like, he um, comes in, he's already one of the big leaders in our team, so uh, also having him around, he's um, he's just recently got a camera too, so me and he'll be doing a few uh, a few scenic missions around the place. Yeah, nice, bro. Nice, because, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about your 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 like hobby outside of footy. Obviously, you're into your photography and stuff, eh? Yeah, to be fair, I'm a bit of a hobby slut. Um, I go, I go around a bit. Um, I've had a few around in my time. So, yeah, had the photography going, which was um, really good before I went to Japan. Um, thought I'd better take heaps of snaps, but then got to Japan and couldn't really do too much. So that's been on the back burner and currently um playing golf at the moment so nice. um, but you need to get back into the camera work with eddie so they'll be asking for submissions absolutely good stuff are you the worst bear pong sorry are you the worst bear pong player ever <laughs> bro Q, um is that q &E? oh it's either him or x bro i'm gonna say x nah so um q &E messaged me today and he sent me a memory from last year and we like had a big day of just like playing pong yeah. and um, he bet me 11-0 for the day on on the Saturday. 11-0? You didn't win a single game? Just win a single game. Oh, but I'm like, on the same boat as you though, bro. I can't, I can't play beer pong. I don't know what it is. Participation. Um, bro, next question. Is it true that your flat cat in Hamilton is called Tian? Well, I've left that flat since, and they've come up with this name. So, yeah, technically it is over there in Hamilton and Tron. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Couldn't even <laughs> want to call me Tian, cat. No <laughs> um, your biggest challenges you faced moving into a professional rugby environment. That's a good one. Uh, biggest challenges? I guess around like... Um, Probably more so around like the the lifestyle, I guess. Like, um, you kind of think that, especially being a ten, um, that your like training days or your like gym, like your days you're training, that's all the time you're actually like putting into it. But throughout that, I kind of learned that it's probably more like a lifestyle. So yeah. doing things outside of training, uh, making sure you get nutrition sorted, doing your little extras. Uh, making sure you do your homework so your notes are all sorted and you understand and you're prepared for the next day, um, getting your recovery in. So I guess it's all about, yeah, the lifestyle, being a professional rugby player and um, getting that nailed and not just being a half-hearted kind of guy who will do stuff at training but then is shit at home or um, doesn't come in organised. So, yeah, that's probably my main thing, I reckon. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, what was your favourite thing about being a chief? My favorite thing about being a chief, uh, well, I just loved how like the uh, kind of like the lads, the lads are just really good, eh? Like we honestly had a great bunch of like people there, and um, you know, it was probably especially with my like injuries and the way like kind of turned out. Um, being at another team, I don't know if I would have coped as well. So um, being at the Chiefs of good fellas, great people. Um, that could probably kind of help me. Probably the best thing I love being there. Nice. Um, and just a few more, bro. What's your best footy memory? Best footy memory? Shit. Uh, to be fair, winning the um, club footy final oh, for, yeah. my, for Clive, they'll be up there. Yeah. Uh, coming back, seeing all the old fellas, they just loved it. Um, yeah, they'll be highly up there. Um, playing my first game for the Chiefs. Um, was huge as well. Played for Hawks Bay, yeah, especially just like my old man played for Hawks Bay as well. So, all those little things I think just kind of is up there for me, yeah, keeping that going for sure. Uh, last one, bro. What are your what are your um, your short term goals and your long term goals? Nice, um, short term goals is to uh, play some really good footy. Uh, for Hawks Bay um, to win the premiership. So, and playing a good part in that. 
and then continuing that form into Japan and um, winning the pro league and um, playing a main role. Yeah. So that would be my short term. Long term, um, I think for me, I still want to play international rugby at some stage. Yeah. So I'd love to be an all black or so do that. And I guess to me, it's probably not about like being an all black or just like having teams, but I think it's more about playing up to like, I want to be the best player I could be. So whether that is an all black or whether that's just playing in Japan or I also make sure I don't be one of those guys who um, never got to his potential or has regrets afterwards. So yeah, that's probably for me around my goals. Nice, bro. Hundred percent. I kind of forget how how young you are, eh? Like you're only twenty four. Like there's still a lot of footy to be played for you, eh? So, um, bro, I've, I just want to thank you for for your time for jumping on. I know you're busy, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's been good to catch up with you, bro. And there's a few stories in there that I didn't that I didn't know, and that's the beauty about um getting getting people like yourself on the podcast is that it's awesome to share everyone's stories and your stories. It's different again, but you've been successful in such a short amount of time. So, yeah, bro, thanks for your time. Um, I'll be watching with a close eye. You guys keeping the shield, hopefully, unless the Naki come down. So, um, bro, again, it's it's been good to good to catch up with you, bro. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for having me, bro. I've been um, enjoying seeing what you've been doing, chucking out, and um, I think I remember buying one of your always love shirts back in the day. So <laughs> that's right, bro. You uh, did too. You're an OG. You're an OG. G follower, mate. So uh, it's um, good to get on and have a yarn, bro, and catch up. So thanks for that, man.